want to talk again from this subject, from strong faith to stained glass. We are in bay window number three to my left over here. The first window was purchased by Lily Grove. The second window by the ushers and the greeters. Window number three, the large window in the middle was purchased by Anthony Allen. Window number four by James and Lois Owens and Elmer Rogers. Number five, the bottom window, uh, the last window, I'm sorry, at the top was by Van and Dorothy Mayberry family. At the bottom, the New Testament, the Old Testament windows, the first one, number six, was purchased by Irvin, Irvin and Marcia Johnson and family. Deacon Family Ministry, number seven, purchased the seventh window and the eighth window, the last of the Old Testament windows, was purchased by Verissa Renee Bishop. The architect, or the artist who, who put these uh, windows together, uh, Les uh, Wicker is his name, did an outstanding job, I think, in this particular frame of windows in that window number seven at the bottom and window number three at the top uh, peculiarly correspond with one another because the bottom window is the children of Israel in the wilderness picking up manna that had fallen from heaven. But the book of Joshua said one day when they got in the wilderness the manna ceased. There was no more manna on the ground to pick up. In window number three at the top is Jesus feeding the multitude. There is no longer a need for manna on the ground for manna has come in the person of Jesus Christ. He is for them and for us the bread of life. It's, it's significant that it's window number seven and window number three because the number three is a number of perfection. The number seven is a number of completion. Uh, in numbers seven and three, manna no longer falls because the manna has already fallen once and forever in the person of Jesus Christ. The significance of the miracle of the feeding of the multitude, of all the miracles Jesus performed, this is the only miracle recorded in all four gospel accounts. Distinctly, this miracle was performed to illustrate Jesus as the bread of life who was greater than Moses and to demonstrate his power as the Lord of creation. The feeding of the multitudes and the miracle of turning water into wine in the Gospel of John are the only two miracles in which Jesus actually used his power to create by making something that was not into something that became. Uh, that was just two fish and five loaves. He made it a banquet 
to feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. There was ordinary water in those water pots, but when the water looked at Jesus, it blushed red in the wine, and that ordinary water became extraordinary wine. Walk with me around the text. John the Baptist has been beheaded by Herod the Tetrarch. There's a party at Herod's house and uh, John the Baptist has said to Herod, it is not right for you to have your brother's wife. And he is angry with John the Baptist and he has him thrown in prison and uh, this young woman dances at the banquet and her mother says to her, uh, whatever he asks you, He's going to ask you what you want from him. And whatever it is you say, I need you to say this, that you want the head of John the Baptist. She dances. Herod is pleased. And he asks her what she wants in the kingdom. She says the head of John the Baptist. John is beheaded. And when Jesus hears about it, he goes to be by himself to pray. But when the people hear that Jesus is moving about, they follow him in large masses. And the Bible says, Jesus looks out at them as sheep having no shepherd, and he has compassion on them. The crowd is around him. The people are everywhere. 5,000 men, not counting women and children. There's a crowd of about 25,000 people following Jesus. The hour is growing late. There's nothing to eat. And the disciples said to Jesus, send these people away that they might find for themselves victuals. Send them home that they might get them something to eat. Jesus said, they don't need to go home. You feed them. And brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. Jesus is still saying the same word to the church this morning. We do not need to outsource our responsibility to the federal government. It is our responsibility to feed the hungry. See how quiet you got right there? To clothe the naked to visit those who are in prison, to minister to those who are sick. Because when Jesus comes again, he will not ask how large was your sanctuary. Jesus will not want to know what your tithe amount was. Jesus will raise the question, when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was outdoors, did you take me in? And then we'll say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and outdoors? Jesus said, in as much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it also unto me. They said, send them away. All the H-E-Bs are closed. There's nowhere to buy any bread. Send these people home. Jesus said, they don't need to go home. You feed them. Now he knows that they don't have anything to give that crowd. But he is about to demonstrate 
that he is actually the Son of God. The Gospel of John chapter 6 says that Andrew went in the crowd and found a little boy with his lunch, two fish and five barley loaves, two little, two little sardines and, and five little barley biscuits. He had a little, a, a little biscuit from, from McDonald's, you would say. It, it was just two little fish and five loaves. I, I, I suspect that his mother sent him to church that day. And I would imagine, being a little boy, his mother gave him ten biscuits and eight fish. But church lasted so long that by the time Jesus needed it, it was just down to two fish and five little biscuits. But the boy was willing to give Jesus what he had. And brothers and sisters, what I love about Christianity is that Jesus will take what you have. It's not much, but give it to him. I'm not much, but I gave myself to him. You are not much, but if you give yourself to him. I wish I had a witness here this morning. The reason many of us can't get saved is because we think we're too much. But when you know you're not enough, and you will never be enough, and you will never have enough, and you meet God right here, he sends Jesus to meet you right there, and little becomes much. When you place it in the master's hand. As long as, it, as long as it was in their hand, it was not enough. But when they put it in his hand, here is what he did. Um, he blessed it. They put it in his hand and he blessed it. If you are in his hand, you are blessed this morning. You, you, you might not live in River Oaks, but you're blessed. You may not drive what somebody else drives, but you're blessed. You may not own what somebody else owns, but you're blessed. You need, you, you need to stop crying about what you don't have and say hallelujah for what you do have because it could be worse. I'm running out of time. The choir took all my time. But just take a moment to think with me and if you think with me you'll think with me just take a moment to think about how the Lord has blessed our lives think about the answered prayers
think about the mountains he brought us over. Think about the needs he's met. The times he came near us and held us with his grace. The lonely hours when he reminded us that when everybody else walks out, I will walk in. The air we breathe, the food we eat, the water we drink, the clothes we wear, the money we have, the house we live in, the beds we sleep in, every good gift, every perfect gift, all these blessings come from God. There's nothing you have that God didn't give you. There's nothing you own that God didn't supply. Every dime in your pocket, God gave it to you. Reverend, I get up and go to work every day. Who gives you strength to go to work every day? God gives you strength to make wealth. Have I got a witness here? Reverend, nobody taking care of me. I'm living by myself and I'm doing well. I don't tithe and I'm still doing well. Well, if you're doing well and you're not tithing, think of how well you could do if you did. Thank God he opens windows of heaven and pours out blessings that you don't even have room enough to receive. And he lets his sun shine on the just. And the unjust. He's good to no good people. And he's good to righteous people. Everybody in here is blessed. 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 You are blessed. He put it in his hands and he blessed it. But now, while it's in his hand, not only is it blessed, but it has to be broken. After he blessed the bread, he used the same hands to break it. Because before bread could be shared, it had to be broken. A.W. Tozer reminds us that it is doubtful that God will use you greatly until he has hurt you deeply. It is doubtful that God will use you greatly until he has first hurt you deeply. A period of brokenness always precedes a time of usefulness. We love God's blessing. 
we shrink from his breakings. While the blessings of God are nice, the breaking of God is necessary. Brothers and sisters, I'm trying to hurry, but God is a strange teacher. In HISD at, at TSU, U of H, Rice University, Princeton, Harvard, the teacher teaches the lesson and then administers the test. But God sends the test and then he teaches the lesson. Because the reason for the test is to teach the lesson of total and absolute dependence on God. He sent Daniel in a lion's den to test him. And while in the lion's den, the king who sent him in couldn't sleep. Daniel slept all night on the back of a lion. And when the king got up the next morning to shout into the lion's den, Daniel, did your God deliver you? And he shouted back to the king, oh, king, live forever. All night, God kept me. Daniel had no idea if the lions would tear him to shreds or not. He just trusted God's test. Noah, three Hebrew boys, the widow at Zarephath, Elijah at Mount Carmel, the widow of Nain, Mary and Martha. God tested them first and then he taught them a lesson. Let me talk to somebody who is going through one of these breaking periods in your life. Let me point out a great truth to you this morning. And the great truth that I want to point out to you this morning, if you're going through a season of brokenness, the truth that I want to point out to you this morning is that God uses broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a crop. It takes broken clouds to produce rain. It takes broken grain to produce bread. It takes broken bread to produce strength. It is the broken alabaster box that lets out perfume. God couldn't use Jacob until he broke his hip and changed him from Jacob to Israel. Somebody ought to help me preach it. Brothers and sisters, might I add an addendum to the previous minutes? Did you notice where the bread was while it was being broken?
it was in his hand. I don't want nobody preaching to me who has not been broken. You can't sing with power like these young folks sang a morning ago until you've been broken. You can't witness with authority until you've been broken. I need somebody here. Your heart has been broken. Your dreams have been broken. Your hopes and aspirations have been broken. But God can still use broken things. Brokenness will put something in your face. It'll put something in your handshake. Brokenness will put something in your shout. You're not shouting because all your bills are paid. You're not shouting because everybody loves you. You're not shouting even because you're having a good day. You're shouting because you got a good memory. I remember when God brought me through. I remember when God made a way. I remember when God answered a prayer. I remember when God took my feet out of the miry clay. I need somebody in here this morning who can help me shout not about what God is doing now but about what God has already done. God's already made a way. He's already been a husband. He's already been a friend. He's already been a father. He's already been a provider. He's already been a way maker. He's already opened the door. He's already dried a tear. He's already gotten your child off drugs. He's already healed your body. He's already turned around your situation. Shot over what he's already done. And then I need another little section in here who can help me shout about this. If he doesn't do anything else, He's already, he's already, he's already, he's already, he's already, not only done more than enough, but more than I deserve. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I am the true vine. I wish I had a Bible reader. And my father is the husbandman. I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch that's barren fruit. He prunes it 
He cuts it. He bruises it. He slices it that it might bear more fruit. And if the Lord is pruning you this morning, thank God the knife is in his hand. Because if the knife was in your enemy's hand, they'd cut you too much. He knows right where to strike. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me back up a minute because I'm, 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 I'm getting happy and I'm finna forget something. An expert jeweler, an expert diamond jeweler knows where to strike that diamond in the exact spot to make it brilliant. And if he strikes it wrong, it will shatter. God is an expert jeweler. And he knows where to hit you in the right spot to make you shine. And you are shining this morning because God hit you in the right spot. It was the place you needed to be struck to make you shine. God won't give you my burdens because you couldn't handle it. God is not going to give you somebody else's stress because it won't develop you. Because he's not trying to destroy you. He's trying to develop you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to heal you. He's not trying to bruise you. He's trying to bless you. Because here is the conclusion of the whole matter. After he blessed it. After he broke it. He broadened it. Because it cannot be useful just in his hand. He's got to give it out so it can be useful. The five small loaves and the two small fishes were just enough for one little boy. But they were woefully inadequate to feed a multitude. But God can only broaden what he blesses and breaks. And God can only stretch the life of a believer who allows God to bless you but at the same time, stand there when God breaks you. Many of us can handle it when he blesses. But there are days when he breaks. There are times when you ask God for something and it does not come. 
There are times when you pray and you pray right. You're sincere in what you're praying for. And God doesn't turn it around. You're praying for healing. And the person dies. You're praying that things will get better on your job. And you receive a pink slip. You're praying that you will not have to worry about bills. And the more you look around, look like the bills are coming every, every three days. And instead of God coming to the rescue, instead of God coming in your hour of need, God seems to delay. But somebody ought to help me close here when I testify that God's delays does not mean God has denied. Because God is up to something in your life. I said God is up to something in your life. You're going to help me close this, won't you? There was a little boy in the Old Testament by the name of Joseph. Joseph was much loved by his father and hated by his own brothers. You're going to help me close this, won't you? And one day the father sent him to check on his brothers to see how they were getting along. They were supposed to be grazing the flock in Shechem. He goes down to Shechem and the boys are not there. And the man says, I think I heard them talking about going to a little town called Dothan. Dothan is 60 miles from Shechem. Joseph travels all the way to Dothan looking to see whether or not his brothers were doing what his father had employed them to do. But they saw him before he saw them. And they said, here comes this dreamer. Let us kill him and we will see what will become of his dreams. The brother, one of the brothers said, no, let's not kill him. Let's not spill our brother's blood. And so he put him in a little pit to keep him until the brother's tempers would go down. But in the meantime, an Ishmaelite caravan on the way to Egypt was happening by. And the brothers thought that they would make some money off their own brother. So they sold him to this Ishmaelite caravan. But while it looked like God was delaying, God was not denying. Because God's hand was on Joseph's life, even in the company of an Ishmaelite caravan. They brought him all the way to Egypt, sold him to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar noticed that God's hand was on Joseph's life. You're going to help me close this, won't you? Potiphar put Joseph over everything in his house, save his wife. Joseph was the manager of Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife noticed that he was a handsome man. She tried to seduce him, but he ran from the seduction. She tried one more time to seduce him. He ran from the seduction. She put on Victoria's Secret. She put on some good-smelling, expensive perfume, laid herself down on the bed to try to seduce him. Joseph ran, but she caught his garment. And then she brought his garment to Potiphar and said, you allowed this man, this Hebrew, to come in our house. And he tried to take advantage of me. Potiphar had Joseph thrown in prison. 
but while in prison God still had his hand on him because there was a butler and a baker who was in the employ of Pharaoh they wound up in the dungeon and by the providence of God they were put in the same cell as Joseph they started dreaming one night and they didn't know what their dreams meant they got up the next morning and told Joseph their dream Joseph said God has given me wisdom to interpret dreams to the baker he said by this time tomorrow your neck will be cut off but he said to the butler you're gonna get back in your position as cupbearer to the king and when you get the king's ear remember me here in this dungeon two years have gone by and it looks like God has delayed but God's delays do not mean God has denied because one night God made Pharaoh start dreaming Pharaoh dreamed about some fat cows and some lean cows and he didn't know what the dream meant he dreamed about a sheaf standing up and another sheaf laying down in front of it and he couldn't understand what the dream meant he called all his soothsayers and all of his magicians and astrologers and said anybody who can interpret this dream I will give him second chariot in the kingdom the butler remembered that there was a young boy named Joseph who was able to interpret dreams Pharaoh called Joseph up from the prison and told Joseph his dream Joseph told him you gonna have some fat years and some lean years seven years of plenty and seven years of famine while you have a plenty you ought to store up some grain so the world will have to come and buy grain from Egypt he made Joseph prime minister over all of Egypt and while there was grain in Egypt God arranged for there be the famine in Goshen Joseph's brothers had to go to Egypt to buy some grain and when they got to Egypt the very man they had thrown in the dungeon the very man they had despised the very man they had lied and told their daddy was dead was the same man they had to go and buy grain from God will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies he will anoint your head with oil so that your cup is just running over surely goodness and mercy I need a witness here look at how the story goes if his father hadn't loved him his brothers never would have hated him if his brothers had never hated him they never would have sold him into slavery if they had never sold him into slavery he never would have wound up in Potiphar's house if he had never wound up in Potiphar's house Potiphar's wife never would have tried to seduce him if Potiphar's wife had never tried to seduce him he never would have run from the seduction if he had never run from the seduction 
she never would have lied on him. If she had never lied on him, he never would have wound up in prison. If he had never wound up in prison, he never would have met a butler and a baker. If he had never met a butler and a baker, they never would have started dreaming. If they had never started dreaming, he never would have interpreted their dreams. If he had never interpreted their dreams, Pharaoh never would have started dreaming. And if Pharaoh had not started dreaming, Joseph wouldn't be able to interpret the dream. And if Joseph couldn't interpret the dream, he never would have been prime minister of Egypt. If he had never been prime minister of Egypt, there never would have been a famine in Goshen. If there had never been a famine in Goshen, his brothers never would have had to go to Egypt to buy grain. If his brothers had never gone to Egypt to buy grain, Joseph never would have had a chance to tell them, you meant this, you meant it. Yeah. You meant it for evil, but God, but God, is there anybody here? No, the devil would have had you, but God. Your enemies would be laughing at you, but God. Your haters will have pulled you down by now, but God. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he turn it around? Won't he make a way? Won't he give you a blessing? Won't he shine his light on you? Is there anybody here? No God can do it. There's another Joseph that I want to talk about a minute. He was not in a dungeon, but this Joseph was hated. His name was not Joseph. His name was Jesus. They marched him up Calvary's hill. He died for your sins and mine. But bright early Sunday morning, God raised him up. And because he lives, I can shout this morning. I need a real shouter right now. I need a real praiser right now. Who knows God has already done it for you. God has already answered your prayer. God has already made a way. Why don't you help me praise God if he's been good to you, if he's made a way for you, if he's answered your prayer, if he's protected you, if he's looking out for you. Tell him thank you, thank you, thank you. I need a grateful witness. Thank you, I need a happy believer. Thank you, why should I feel this come? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion, my constant Friend is he, his eye, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing.
because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. Why don't you shake somebody's hand? Tell them I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye, his eye, his eye, his eye. a witness right now who can look back over your life see where God brought you from see what God has done for you if you're glad this morning if you're happy this morning if you're happy and you know it if you're happy and you know it if you're happy and you know it wave your hand tell God thank you thank you I know he's alright heaven bread of heaven feed me till I want no more 